Welcome to Because You Need to Know, recorded live at the Cohen Multimedia Studio at Chautauqua Institution. I am Edwin K. Morse, President and Founder of Pioneer Knowledge Services. This series is your digital resource of valuable conversations with nonprofit and knowledge management enthusiasts from across industries and from around the globe. Today's guest is Mario Hicks. He is the current Advancement Manager with Upstate New York Transplant Services. Mario is currently responsible for annual, major, and plan giving. Prior to coming to UNYTS, Mario spent 3.5 years with Buffalo State as Director of Annual Giving. Mario is a certified fundraising executive with an MBA from the University of New Haven. He is currently pursuing a doctorate in business administration with an interest in nonprofit mergers and acquisition from George Fox University. How long have you been in the nonprofit world? Uh, I've been in the nonprofit um, world. Uh, this is my seventh year going on, uh, going into seven and, um, it's been a really fun ride. <laughs> hmm. So did you have a background as a youth of doing service, uh, being involved or how did it even get started? You know, I really think about that more and more as I progress. Um, and growing up, my mom used to volunteer a lot at the local nursing home and she'd bring me with her and we would visit and uh, spend time with uh, the, the elderly folks that were there. Um, and just, um, you know, it was a great way to get out and experience uh, service. So that was a, a big deal to me going forward where I would find opportunities to, to help. And, and my, my folks became actually youth services. So I, I did a lot of uh, park program related stuff throughout high school. Um, and then um, it kind of stuck with me through college um, where I became a camp counselor. And uh, so it's, it's always kind of been with me. I see. Well, that's a good motivational story, right? It was a seed planted at a, you, at a very young age. You were imprinted with uh, your mom's activity and you thought, wow, this is, this is beneficial to do. Yeah, absolutely. So I believe our family is really about service. That's a good good place to come from. Where are you now and what is your view of nonprofit world now? Uh, so I recently uh, moved from uh, a higher education where I've been for the last three and a half years, and now I'm sort of in the healthcare space. So um, I work for a not-for-profit that uh, uh, focused on eye, organ, tissue, and blood donation. It's kind of in that healthcare space where we're yeah. dealing with families, former patients, doctors, and, and those sort of things, but not necessarily what I would say is full fundamental, you know, say hospital fundraising. How big of a footprint is that? It's it's very niche. Um, a lot of OPOs or organ procurement, you know, organizations are really building development uh, kind of engines within to really support services like advocacy for registration uh, of uh, of folks to sign up to be organ donors. Mm-hmm. And there's also the family services side, uh, supporting families during that time of mm-hmm. making that decision. Um, and then also um, the education side. So, um, you know, we're one of the unique OPOs that um, we're in high schools educating um, students about the importance of donation. So it's very niche. I would say right now there's not a lot of OPOs that do it, but it's growing. 
And it's like I said, it's right in that middle in between kind of being full blown healthcare fundraising um, and uh, and not. So well, yeah, right. So that that brings up an interesting point as far as trying to to culture the the young people to understand it more, so they're aware of it and understand what the benefit is, uh, not only to the recipient, but as far as your family as being a donor uh, to help someone continue living absolutely and, and and really telling the story and i think that's that's in any uh non-profit space is telling that story hmm. um of that importance so um it makes the conversation easy so telling the importance of, of donation is is a big deal but the story of someone who has received the gift of life in a sense and what things they've gone on to be able to do besides just you know living yeah so yeah. um you know i think that's what our students are really uh, sharing mm. is it makes that conversation easier with their families as well and and it just makes our community more aware of, of other ways you can give and, and keep life going so how does this approach differ from any other transplant services i think there's a lot of what i would consider in, in my short experience here is is changing the relationship from transactional um, more on the business side, uh, more on the OPO uh, relationship with healthcare systems, and uh, and and really expanding that and advocating for you know the value of growing that community mm-hmm. of donation mm-hmm. or donors and donations. Mm-hmm. So you know I really think of it as, as a way that more OPOs obviously need to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's cultural aspects of it. So if you come from a certain country, um, you may not necessarily think of donation in the same way as someone who's either used to it or has grown up with it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really looking at it from, from all of those aspects and finding um, the best story to tell um, so that everyone understands uh, the value again. So Yeah, you bring up the culture piece. I would assume there's some religious barriers and cultural barriers to anything like this. Yeah, absolutely. And really, it does come down to education. So um, obviously, uh, if uh, you come from a particular religion where maybe say, for example, uh, you have to be in the ground in a certain amount of days. So we have uh, a great team that has been able to really explain what happens during that um, donation process and how it still aligns with, say, um, religious values. Mm. Um, and it doesn't obviously align with every religion mm-hmm. or, or, or spiritual background, but even from Christian to, um, Islamic faiths, there is an opportunity for donation. So mm. I'm just thinking of kind of the major two. Sure. At the moment. Right. Right. Where do you physically sit and how big of a footprint do you have? Where's your reach? Serve all the eight counties of Western New York. Mm. So our reach is continuing to grow. Just established a relationship actually down in Olean, um, where our uh, blood recruitment team is really starting to to build relationships. You know, we're not in necessarily a direct competition from the blood side with, say, for example, the Red Cross. Right. You know, our tagline is um, for donation purposes specifically to blood. That is, if you give here in the Western New York community, you are supporting and, and saving someone here in the Western New York community. That blood stays here. So, you know, that's kind of our thing we hang our hat on. Um, you know, from a, a development perspective and a nonprofit professional, it makes me think of uh, of our best practices as far as philanthropy goes in, in a very unique way, because hmm. 
we're already asking for the ultimate gift. Yeah. Um, and where does philanthropy fit um, within that conversation? Um, so I'm, I'm having very uh, unique learning experience uh, joining this team. So what's the biggest challenge in that? I think the biggest challenge, and I think in anything as it relates to philanthropy and, and the nonprofit space, is, is what is the individual perception of a dollar, right? What is your perspective um, of that? And we can ask for some of these major um, life-changing things in, in organ, eye, tissue, and blood donation, but we still obviously need to be careful in the same way when it comes to asking someone to support our mission. Hmm. So someone, you know, the rebuttals are different, obviously, you know, well, we've already made this ultimate gift. Why would we need this? And that shouldn't deter us from asking in a way, but uh, it's a very interesting sort of balance that you need to have in this unique space. So is there more opportunity do you see uh, in the outreach and partnership development in as much as there is the fundraising? Yes, absolutely. Um, the community partners uh, that we're having is growing at a very significant rate because of the education side of, of understanding, again, the importance of donation. Obviously, uh, I don't know if you've heard, there's some legislative changes that could potentially happen where instead of um, having to opt in on your your New York state oh, license, right, that right. you'd have to opt out. So, which, oh, interesting. You know, depending on what your opinion is of that, could be a beneficial thing. Um, that doesn't change what we do. We still would, would be pushing for advocacy because there still is an education with that. Sure. I'll give you a base example. Um, someone might say, well, if I donate, can I still have an open casket? Something mm -hmm. like that. You have to really educate someone and says, yes, you can have an open casket because the donation is, it's not in the sense where they're taking. Right. So some people might think that immediately sure. and well, I don't want to donate because I would want my family to, um, it's an interesting and exciting challenge, I would say, but education is still, still very important in our and, and there's an opportunity with a lot of community partners to mm. on the education side. Yes. So how does the education become deliverable content for you folks? How do you build that material? Well, it's about storytelling and it's about our families. I think for one, um, you know, we have folks who have been with us um, for a very long time. We have blood donors who've been giving uh, for 10 years um, or more. We have families who, given the gift of life who have been with us for, for so long. So they can tell you what that experience is from beginning to end and partner with our education side on donation is important. Mm -hmm. So it's through storytelling, through all of our channels, social media, et cetera, um, and having great volunteers and champions of our mission, which I think every nonprofit um, yeah. should have yeah. um, in some way or another. You know, those are the big key factors for how we're able to get the word out and to build partners and build a momentum for our mission. So tell me about where you think your doctorate work will put you in your life's work. Really excited uh, to, to start that journey. Um, one, it's, it's, it's been a, a personal and, and a dream and to what I feel is to attain kind of the, one of the ultimate benchmarks that we have. Mm -hmm. As far as it goes with my work, you know, my focus is really going to be on strategic strategic management. And I think mm. it brings a lot of value to the nonprofit space. I think as we continue to grow and there's, there's a number of great nonprofit missions out there. Um, it's really going to take 
strategic leadership and management to really kind of separate yourself from all of those other great missions. Um, and also bringing, uh, for example, you know, kind of the research foundations that a doctor provides. Um, I think those, uh, you know, to answer some of the challenging questions um, of your particular um mission mm-hmm. can, there there is an opportunity to do some research there to to you know maybe answer some questions and make it applicable and and actually give you an uh, an advantage or a competitive edge mm-hmm. um, you know again to separate yourself that strategic view um and the, the, everybody's got a different kind of view of strategic and it's funny because some organizations i'm on i sit on the board of one organization that considers the board a working board there's nobody really looking out five years they're all trying to keep the lights on and it's funny how organizations come at operations so differently uh because you always think the board should always be out five or 10 years should always be looking to the future and how they're future proofing the organization. What do you see as the hardest thing to do for an organization in achieving a valuable, useful strategy? I really think it's, it's really a balancing act. You have to do both. Right. Um, I think the board and senior leadership have to have that sort of 65,000 foot view. And, and how do you really, uh, you know, continue to look ahead, look at what those challenges are, but make sure that your operations are, are where they need to be um, and what the priorities are. Mm. And I also think that um, one of the, the things that, you know, some nonprofits actually um, struggle with is um, committing. Commit to that particular decision that you've made and really kind of see where it goes. Obviously, there's going to be challenges and spinoffs of that. Um but don't bail on something immediately if it doesn't produce those immediate results. Mm-hmm. That honestly, failure is uh, what is the the, 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 the is a quote or the what, fail fast, the, fail fast, yeah. learn quicker. Right. Yeah, learn quicker. Yeah. You know, so yeah. that there's that's one of them. But yeah, you're going to have some missteps. Um, you know, but if you're responsible and and smart about your operations, that creates innovation. Yeah. You know, that create, you know, and that's one of the things that I think nonprofits are hesitant to do for, yeah. for a lot of reasons, yep. but we do need to innovate. We do need to find better ways uh, in our business to really grow our missions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fear of failure prevents a lot of action. A mm-hmm. lot, a lot of organizations are fearful of trying something or putting their neck on the block, so to speak, uh, because they could fail. And it's like, you know, if you come at it with a paradigm that failure is an opportunity to learn versus the end of your existence, uh, you know, it's, it's a different mentality because it does foster a, a paradigm of innovation and people experimenting, right? Because if you don't have experimentation, you will not innovate. And you'll yeah. be doing kind of the same things. Yeah, exactly. Over over. Right. Good or bad or mediocre. They're just, exactly. you're in the rut of, well, we did this last year. Let's do it again. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Don't want to rock the boat. Right. That's true. That's true. So. <laughs> well, thank you for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Absolutely. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Um, and uh, this was, this was very pleasant. So thank you. Uh, I would invite you to go to our nonprofit website and 
look at the short three and a half minute video of what knowledge management is just so you can get a better idea because it really adds the bridge between the strategy and operational or tactical piece of any organization uh, in a, in a intentful and designed way of creating a knowledge asset in the organization. All right. I will take a look at that. Absolutely. Recorded live at the Cohen Multimedia Studio at Chautauqua Institution, Because You Need to Know is designed to bring people's experience and their knowledge forward to be shared. I'm Edwin K. Morris, and I thank you for joining in to listen to another conversation brought to you as a public service of Pioneer Knowledge Services, a nonprofit tax-exempt organization with a charitable knowledge management purpose. Find us online at pioneer-ks.org and add your voice to the conversation on Facebook.